Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. And it starts right now.
lot of money on my brand new guitar. Baby's got a habit, diamond rings and Fendi sports bras. Riding down Rodeo in my Maserati sports car. Got no stress, I've been through all that. I'm like a Marlboro man, so I keep on back. Wish I could roll on back to that old Hey, David, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, there we yes, go. I, I guess can. there's something wrong with uh, with my end. But, so we got you now. How's it going this morning? Well, I think I know all the words to Old Town Road now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little, uh, so, some issues. I, for some reason, we've been having, I've been having some issues, uh, Getting calls in uh, lately, so had to call in myself and and catch me through that way, so we can hear each other. Uh, but yeah, so um, first off, you know, not well, weren't any low country teams uh, in the football championship this season? But uh, just give me your overall thoughts on how how you thought the. Uh, the football championship when and and your overall thoughts on the season this year being you know just the fact that we're able to get through it entirely without all that many issues yeah yeah i think we should consider ourselves uh lucky and grateful uh considering what what's happening right now i think we we got through the football season just in time because if uh if we still had another month left we'd be losing some games just like we are in basketball right now but but yeah, it was a uh, it was good to get it through. It was a shortened season, but I think everybody got their fill. Um, you know, you get to the championship game, you play ten games. That's what you play in the regular season. So, you know, a lot of teams played six and seven games, uh, which which was important for the seniors, um, not only to play their final season, but also to get some tape uh, to send to colleges and stuff. That senior tape is real important and. Um, mm-hmm. So it helped those guys. And, um, you know, the championship games, to be honest, there was no drama. And, uh, you know, we we go into these things comparing the teams and saying, hey, these are going to be close games and they're competitive, and then none of them are. Uh, I mean, the closest game of the weekend, really, uh, was Dutch Fork Hannah, and it was a 22-point game, and it was 21-0 in the first quarter, Dutch Fork. So, you know, I mean, it was really never – Never in doubt, uh, Southside Christian handled Lakeview, and I thought that game would be a lot closer, uh, handled them uh, easily. And, uh, and Daniel Camden was as advertised, uh, 83 points, a lot of offense, over 1,000 yards, and, and it came down to uh, the running game of Camden versus the throwing game of Daniel, and Daniel won. 
because they had 600 and something yards offense and almost 500 yards passing. Uh, Camden still had 330 yards rushing, but uh, their defense couldn't hold up to that passing attack. And then, and then AC Floor and uh, North Myrtle Beach, a lot of people, not just me, thought this would be a very close, low-scoring game. We thought both defenses would play well. Well, uh, one defense played exceptionally well, AC Floor, and the other one did not. And uh, and AC Floor ended up blowing them out. So really, the four games that were played uh, were not uh, not competitive uh, past a quarter or so in. Um, that's unusual for championship games. And then we hopefully we'll have one more uh, next Friday with uh, Abbeville and Marion. And to be quite honest, that, that could end up being the same way. I think Abbeville is a lot better than Marion, so we'll see. Yeah, that, I, I would have to agree with that. I think that's probably going to be another pretty lopsided game if it does get played. Staying on football real quick before we move over to basketball, uh, What's the latest on the Berkeley head coaching job search, and what are you hearing on that front? Well, they're still uh, still taking applications. I think they close applications um, the 17th, which would be next week, uh, middle of next week or so. And um, and from what I was told uh, through a source, there's been probably close to or over a hundred applicants. Uh, some interesting names. Um, I can't confirm any of those names, but uh, that job's a, you know, it's a, it's a primo job in, in the low country and, and in the state, really. Uh, always really good athletes, a lot of community support. You know, it's one school, one town. Um, I mean, there is a private school there, but, but most of the interest and support goes to, the, to Berkeley. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to find somebody really good. They're going to they're gonna have their, their pick. Uh, you know, some several coaches from North Carolina have applied. Some really uh, interesting names, some high-profile names, from what we understand. Um, and you know, North Carolina doesn't pay as well as South Carolina in the coaching supplement area. So you see a lot of interest from North Carolina coaches wanting to come south. And you know, you can't you can't really fault them because a lot of the guys that come from North Carolina to South Carolina end up doing very well, like Tom Knox. Dave Gutshaw, uh, Donnie Kiefer, who's at West Ashley now, but won two state titles at Green Sea Floyd and really turned West Ashley around this year. Um, so there's going to be interest from North Carolina guys. And uh, uh, and then there'll be some interesting South Carolina names uh, appear on that interview list. I, I don't suspect they'll get any interviews done before Christmas. I think it'll go into January. But, but I would think um, – I would think by mid to late January, uh, definitely before February 1st, I would think that they'll have a guy and, and uh, they will have offered the job and somebody will have accepted it. So it'll kind of be slow through December. And then in January, when, when we get back from the New Year break, uh, I think it'll pick up pretty quick. Moving on to basketball, you mentioned it um, with with football, how we kind of lucked out uh, and in the timing and it's it's not looking good on the basketball front. What are your thoughts on how the season has gone thus far? And where do you see us going from here? Do you think we're going to get through the season? It's 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 going to be difficult to navigate. I, I think football, because you only play once a week, yeah. uh, you play every Friday. I think it was easier to navigate through COVID. But, but with basketball, you're playing a couple times a week. Um, I, I personally am of the belief that 
most districts, and this will be a district decision, not a high school league decision for now. Um, you know, I, I think you're going to see a lot of people shut down for December. Uh, you're already seeing it in some districts. Marlboro mm-hmm. County did it yesterday. Uh, Sumter yep. has done it. Uh, Bishop England shut down for the for the rest of the month. Um, you know, I think what you've got to do is the conference games are what matter, and mm-hmm. you can play those. You can play those later in January into February. You can move the season back a a, a week or two if you have to. At the end, you're already limiting the playoffs to two teams like you did football. So all that's in place. I, I just think December is going to be a, a real tricky month. And some schools didn't even schedule a lot in December. So, so they kind of they took care of that problem. But the problem is, as I was talking to a coach yesterday, their district shut down and they can't practice or do anything. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, kids are going to play on their own. Uh, if it's if it's nice outside, they're, they're going to be some pretty interesting pickup games. They'll stay in shape, but they can't do it as a team with the coaches until January. And, um, you know, so – but I think that's – if they're going to save the season, I think they need to shut it down right now and and shut down schools, shut down practices and games, and then – try to formulate a plan in January. Again, it's not going to be what they're used to. It'll be a shortened season, just like football. But, you know, as the coach told me yesterday, if they can play 15 games as opposed to 25 games, they'll take it. Because, um, you know, you got a lot of teams right now that are that are off to pretty good starts, like Marlboro County. You know, they're 3-1 and one ranked high in the, in the uh, 3A uh, top 10. And now they're shut down until January. And, and, you know, Coach Brace really thinks he's got a team that can contend for a state title. So he's willing to do, you know, whatever they have to do to get to get those numbers down. And, and unfortunately, in, in Bennettsville area, Marlboro County area, the, uh, the cases spiked in recent days. Yeah. So they had to shut down the schools. Yeah, and have you – I mean, I like you said, it's – probably more than likely going to be a district-by-district district thing. And, and a lot of the ADs up here in Horry County have said that if it were up to them, they'd like to do exactly what you said, shut down through December and try to reevaluate the situation and see what's going to happen. But they don't have really much say in the matter at all. Could there be a situation where some district – I mean, I guess we're already in it where some districts are shut down, like about half of the districts are shut down, the other half are still playing through the end of the year, or do you think at some point the SCHSL would still worry about being seen as the bad guy that they're not going to do anything? Yeah, I, 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 I kind of think you got to leave it up to the district. I don't, I, don't think the, I don't think the league will get involved unless DHEC comes out with some, mm-hmm. some information that says, hey, uh, we got to we got to shut this down on a statewide level. Um, you know they let the districts handle it during football, and I thought it worked out mm-hmm. okay. Um, there there there's a certain faction of people that want the high school league to stay out of their business, um, right or wrong. That's what they think. And then there's a certain faction that want the high school league to be involved so they can take the hit <laughs> on a mm. public relations standpoint. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the districts I think the districts can could handle it themselves. Um, you know, a lot of the ADs, 
don't want to don't want to be the one to make that call because of all the pushback they're going to get. But I, I think that's mm-hmm. their job, um, mm-hmm. and they need to coordinate with their districts and they need to say, you know, it's not it's not that difficult a decision to be honest to shut yeah. down in December. Because these are non-conference games, these are tournaments, these are things that don't have an impact on the season. So to me, it's it's kind of a no-brainer if you if you don't feel comfortable playing, just don't play, and and then get get through December, try to get the numbers out. You know, coaches are talking about well, the vaccine will be out in January, but but that vaccine is not going to affect these athletes. It's going to go to the you know, the healthcare workers and the and the elderly, the people that need it, the high-risk people. Uh, and quite frankly, the high school athletes are not high-risk. They're not in the high-risk no. category. So, But the fear is, is that it could take off with fans in the state. And I'm, and I'm hey, I'm all for playing games with no fans in the stands. Uh, District 2 in Dorchester County, no fans. They won't even mm-hmm. let the media. So they're playing, like, uh, with nobody in the gym except the players. And they're streaming it live on Facebook and things like that, so people can watch if they want. I got no problem with that. the The, the bottom line is, the kids are the ones that need the games, not not me or you or the fans or the parents. The kids need yeah. to play the game, and we got to figure out a way to make sure they get their season. and And I think that's doable. I don't think it's impossible. It may not make everybody happy, but if you focus on what's important. And that's the athletes themselves. I think it's very doable. Yeah. Oh, I I would definitely agree with that. Speaking of uh, the media not being able to go to games, uh, like you mentioned, a lot of media choosing not to go, just or not choosing, but um, a lot of districts not allowing not allowing them to go. But now McClatchy has said that they're not allowing any of their uh, papers to cover any of the games for the rest, at least for the time being, which you, you're you not affected right now because uh, Puffin Carrier is not under McClatchy, but the state is and a few others in the area. What are your thoughts on that decision, and are you at all worried that your paper and your company could be next? Uh, on the part two, I'm not that worried. Um, I, I think uh, we're not uh, – at our paper, we're not heavy in the basketball coverage, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm covering a game tonight. I'm going to a game tonight. And, um, you know, the the McClatchy thing is kind of is, – is, is kind of weird in a way because, you know, when the, when the uh, protests were going on this summer, uh, they were sending reporters out. Uh, in droves to cover the protest, and 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 I talked with one yesterday that said he he had to deal with tear gas twice over the summer, and he's a sports writer, um, mm. and he's like, you know, if I wear a mask and I go to a and I social distance myself, I ought to be able to cover a basketball game, and I, I kind of agree. I think it's I think they kind of uh, to me it was it was sort of a panic decision. I I, I don't understand the decision because they. You know, like I said, if, if 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 another protest breaks out and there'll be thousands of people out with masks, not social distancing or without masks, and there'll be reporters out there. Um, so they're kind of saying high school sports coverage is not is not important right now. That's okay. That's their decision. But I don't think it I don't think it serves 
the, the general public will, especially like in the Columbia area, the state paper is affected by that, and they do a great job with, mm-hmm. uh, with, with I mean, Lou Bajak's one of the best. And uh, to prevent him from going to basketball games and stuff, uh, you know, I, I don't think he's very happy about it, and, and I know a lot of other people aren't, but uh, as for me, I, you know, I'll go to a basketball game if I feel like going to a basketball game. I, I wear a mask everywhere mm-hmm. I go. I do social distance. I do, you know, I do have uh, a couple of health issues that would, you know, that kind of make me pay attention. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think our paper will will restrict coverage. Um, you know, I, I saw a little news footage the other night of a, of a local high school game, and to be honest, there weren't, from what I could tell on the camera, you know, there weren't more than 150 people there. So uh, basketball, except in the hotbeds, is not super attended on a Friday night, um, not like football is. There are people yeah. that go, the parents, and, but, you know, the families, but it's not a, it's not like you have sold-out gyms every Friday night, not, not around here yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and up here it's not every night, but, you know, certain games, obviously, North Myrtle Beach against Myrtle Beach, that draws a huge crowd. Uh, and some other games, you know, the rivalry games will draw a huge crowd. But outside of that, most often than not, probably about half full on on a normal night. Uh, but yeah, I I I definitely get what you're saying. I I wish I tried to get Lou on this morning, but he was busy this morning. I might try to get him next week or something. Definitely want to get his thoughts on not being able to cover. Uh, at any game for the foreseeable future. Before we let you go, David, one of my my main talking points this morning outside of the high school level uh, was talking about what's going on with college football and the controversy that's going on with Coastal and Cincinnati and, and the college football playoff, which I'm now referring to as the college football invitational. What are your thoughts on uh, – What's going on there, and and what would your ideal playoff system be for football? Well, I'm I'm kind of a I'm kind of an eight team guy. Um, you know, I, I I don't necessarily have a problem with the four team, but I think uh, but I think college football has evolved to where there are there are teams like Cincinnati, um, you know, Coastal. Although I don't I don't put the Sun Belt Conference quite in the level of, of being able to compete um, with the big boys. Um, I mean, I know Coastal beat BYU, but that's not like beating Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, mm. Florida, Texas A&M. Um, but I, I'm kind of an eight-team guy, uh, personally, uh, always have been. I, I kind of like the idea of, of, you know, a couple of years ago, maybe Central Florida getting a shot, um, even though I, I in no way thought they were going to win the national championship. I just thought you know, put them in there, let them get beat, and then quiet the quiet the storm, so to speak. Um, Cincinnati is is definitely a team that's um, that's on that edge now that that people kind of would like to see, uh, and I think they're good. I, I did watch one of their games, and and I think they're a good football team. Again, I don't think they they're good enough to complete a playoff run and win a national championship against some of the bigger yeah. schools. And, and Coastal, same way. I mean, I, I, hey, nobody's a bigger Jamie Chatterwell fan than David Shelton. I, I worked uh, at Charleston Southern when he was an assistant. Then I was their beat writer when he was the head coach. I know him very well. I know Chad Stagg very well. 
Colton Corn, Willie Corn, all that, all those guys. Um, I think what I think they're having a magical season. But do I think they're, you know, one of the top eight teams in the country? No, I, I don't. They don't pass the eye test. They did beat BYU, but I wasn't. I wasn't in the camp that BYU was a top ten team when they played them. So, um, you know, I, I think it, an eight team thing would be cool. And if Coastal were to win Saturday, win the Sun Belt, be what eleven and zero, I guess, or or twelve and zero, whatever yeah. they would be. You know, if we had eight teams, hey, slide them into the eight spot, uh, put them up against Alabama, and let the chips fall where they may. Um, I think mm-hmm. you, me, and most every fan in America knows how that game would probably end up. But you got to – I'm all for giving them a shot. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to see a lot of those teams. I mean, I do want to see the best eight teams in the country. And sometimes I'm not so sure those, those guys in that room picking those teams uh, they, I don't always agree with who they think the top four are, so mm-hmm. I don't. I know I wouldn't agree with who I thought the top eight were. Yeah. But you know, you take a team like Florida that's really good, and if they lose to Alabama, were to slide out of the top eight, and Cincinnati or Coastal gets their spot, you know, I mean, do you think that Coastal would beat Florida? I I don't know. I, I, I'm. I, I, it's a, probably a ten percent chance. But my but I my do big thing has always been though that. I don't like how essentially I would say 75% of the teams in FBS are basically essentially playing a glorified exhibition season because what are they really playing for if they have no chance of getting into the, into the, right. Like the the NCAA basketball tournament, you have, you have 68 teams and those teams that win their conferences have an opportunity. They won't win it but they have an opportunity to win a national championship they're in the they're in the mix and and in football in football you have you have conference champions like a coastal you know if they could have a system where every conference champion gets in a pool and they play these games out now i know i hear about you know the season lasts too long and i mean they'd have to work that stuff out uh, they would but you know as well as I do that, you know, FCS does it without any problem, so why can't FBS? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's always been the point is that FCS gets it done, and uh, they have 16 teams or, or 24 teams or whatever it is. I think it's 16 this year, or will be 16 in the and, spring. And, yeah, but, I think it's normally 24 or 32 on a regular year. Yeah, yeah, so I, I think, it, I, you know, I'm all for that. I'm like, hey, figure a system out and get it done. Quit using the uh, they miss too much class because the <laughs> uh, quite honestly you know they're gonna miss a lot of classes anyway they miss it all during the season yeah. so uh, you can make it up these these you know there's ways to make these classes up and and not plunk so I, I don't I don't buy that excuse um, I think it would be great entertainment I think people would get excited you know quite honestly with the top four right now with the way it is right now. Only the only ones that are really excited are the fans of Ohio State, Clemson, yep. Notre Dame, and Alabama. Um, yep. The rest of the the rest of the college football world, they might watch the games because it's football and we love football, but they're not excited about it. And I think if you just you could just find a way to generate more excitement, you know, a lot of people who know who who can't even spell Chadwell would love to see Coastal. They would watch that game. 
because it's a story. Oh, yeah. It's a Cinderella thing. They watch the basketball games, you know. Well, exactly. That's the thing. Like Belmont. You, you don't get that. You don't get that in football. You don't get that concept of a Cinderella no. game. No, you you have no. You know, the Cinderella in, in college football is the, the four seed, which is still one of the best teams in the country. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm all for that. Well, I, I would said, like to see it. I, I said I like when the first playoff sure. happened. I said when the first playoff happened that when Ohio State went all the way as a four seed, I was like, every, all the football fans are like, oh, my God, this is a huge deal that the four seed won the national championship. I'm like, no, it's not. It's still Ohio State. Yeah, with billions of dollars of, of, of advantages over over other schools. So, uh, and resources and facilities and, and everything else, I mean, uh, it's not an upset. It's not a Cinderella when you put 110,000 people in your in for your home games. Uh, that that's not as opposed to Coastal that puts in you know 15,000. Um, but Coastal, Cincinnati, uh, I think you know a team like Iowa State, even though they're in a they're in a Power Five conference, they're not you know they mm-hmm. they don't on the tip of everyone's tongue when they talk about college football. So uh, I think that would be a cool, even though they they did lose to Louisiana. But Louisiana would be another school, not now, mm-hmm. but had they run the table and, and beaten Coastal and they were sitting at, you know, at 10 and 0 or whatever, uh, I think they would be a, an interesting, again, you know, I don't bet on college football, but I wouldn't bet on any of those teams to win, but mm-hmm. but it would be fun to have them. And, and again, just like basketball, baseball, same way. You know, baseball yeah. puts 64 teams in there. You have teams in baseball – you know, they have one or two really good pitchers. They get all the way to Omaha. Uh, you see that more often than not. You know, football is a different animal, but I think if you gave that opportunity, I think it would be good for the sport. Uh, yet you'd have people criticizing it. You'd have people going, oh, look, Coastal's playing Alabama, and they got beat 49-7. to Yeah, why were they there? Well, they were there because they won their conference. They were undefeated. They beat uh, two ranked teams. That's why they were there. Now, what they do once they get there, we can't we can't control, and most of us know what might happen. Yeah. But I'm I'm poor opening it up. I don't want to go more than eight. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a put sixteen or put thirty two guys put thirty two teams yeah. in it because you know in basketball it's easier to do because you can play twice in a weekend and 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 whittle that thing down in four weeks. Um, football you gotta you gotta have a week, um, so you don't want to go crazy with it. But I think eight teams, uh, especially, uh, honestly, in, in, in this season, in this pandemic season, I, I think they should change the rules, but they won't. I agree. But I would, be like, I would be like, hey, put eight teams in there, put Coastal in there, put Cincinnati in there, you know, along with uh, Florida A&M in the top four and play it out and let's have fun with it. Um, but they won't do that because yeah. – um, because in in their minds we're idiots and they know what they're doing, so we let them do it. Even though it's the other way around, but that's uh, yeah, yeah, we all there, know but, the, right? I said we all know the truth. Yes, yes, we all know the truth. We all know the real reasoning for why it happened. But uh, great talking to you, David, uh, and uh, stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you later. That sounds great, man. Have a good show. Thanks, dude. That was David Shelton from Post and Courier, and we're going to jump right into bringing on Brandon Dunn from WPDE. Brandon, how's it going this morning? 
All right, brother, how you doing? It was, that was a great conversation. Okay. Got to catch the tail end of that uh, and yeah, a lot of the things that, that uh, he said I agreed with. Yeah, that's actually where I wanted to start with you, especially since you're, you cover Coastal a lot. Um, one of my big talking points this morning has been, you know, the fact that, and this has been a thing that I've been railing on for years, is how college football is a, essentially a joke. And that the and they have they don't have a real champion. It's always been mythical, and that it's about time that college football gets a real playoff system. And I wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, what your thoughts on the playoff system is right now. Where did you and where would you want to see it? Uh, you know, at this point. Well, I believe you know that we need to go to an eight-team system. I, I think that that would really give some of the schools like a Coastal Carolina and teams uh, in, in that uh, situation an opportunity to play and, and play for a state, uh, state, play for a national championship. Um, you know, I, I agree completely. I think the committee won't allow a team that's not in a power five to, to be in no. that situation. I mean, when was the last time that we saw uh, a team um, up there that had an opportunity? What, Boise State? And that was, man, years ago. Um, Even then, that they the weren't day. really given an opportunity. They were playing yeah. a random New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, and they ended up beating Oklahoma, which was probably one of the better bowl games uh, in the history of uh, of the bowl season. Um, you know, my wife and I were actually talking about that game not too long ago. Uh, we sat there and watched that game um, in Colorado, and what a great game it was. But, uh, you know, I, I just don't think that the league – uh, the committee is going to put a uh, Cincinnati or a Coastal Carolina or, or one of those clubs in that opportunity to play for that Final Four just because of, A, the, they look at the competition they play, B, they look at the uh, the conferences they play in, and who they face every year. That's why a lot of these clubs are trying to go and play Power 5 programs like Coastal did this year with Kansas, and of course they – added South Carolina in there. They were supposed to play the Gamecocks this year at the beginning of the season. Obviously, that got canceled due to COVID. But uh, that would have been a huge win for them. Now, granted, South Carolina this year, you know, isn't having the year that everybody thought they were going to have. But still, it's an SEC school with a Power Five in a Power Five conference. And that would have been huge for Coastal Carolina uh, to have played that game. And if they would have won that game, that would have just been uh, extra icing on the cake. Uh, for them in terms of uh, of a resume builder. But, you know, I, it's it's really sad where we are in terms of college football not allowing some of these teams like Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati, um, the opportunity, uh, Marshall, if they would have won, um, to, to be in, in the conversation in terms of trying to play for a national championship because it seems every year we've got the same teams. Now, granted, Clemson's built what they've built and they're going to be there for a while. Uh, I don't see that train coming off the tracks anytime soon. Ohio State is Ohio State. It's it's the name recognition, but they also win football games. Um, Oklahoma's up there. Florida's obviously on the rise uh, and, and making noise. And uh, and then of course Alabama's Alabama. You know they're they're going to be in, in the conversation each and every year until Nick Saban leaves, and then who knows how that program's going to go once Saban retires. But I mean, it's just kind of the way it is. But 
I wish they wouldn't make it more of a tournament because if you look at basketball and, and even more so yeah. college baseball, it's a lot more entertaining because you have those yeah. opportunities for some of these smaller schools uh, to uh, to compete and knock off the bigger schools and play for national championships and win them. Uh, case in point, Coastal Carolina in 2016. Who would ever thought that Shantz would have won the national championship in Omaha? Um, you know, and that just goes to prove that, you know, it's not always about the Power Five programs. Yeah, and that's something that that that's why I've always said that you know, college football, you can you basically just watch it, or at least I basically just watch it just on a game by game basis, where you're not really necessarily really playing for anything other than pride especially in a program like a coastal with how well they're playing how do how does a team remedy that of saying what are we really playing for outside of a you know random bowl game you know what that's a good question and i really don't have an answer to that i mean the only thing you can do is try to put the best schedule you can on the board Mm-hmm. Uh, add Power Five conference teams to your schedule. Uh, that's going to boost your resume, and just hope that you can win those games. Uh, run through your conference, lobby the heck out of what you were able to accomplish, and just hope it gets the ear of the committee. I mean, a lot of coaches uh, in those situations, um, you know, have to pretty have to lobby pretty hard. I mean. Jamie's mm-hmm. been lobbying for a New Year's Six Bowl game now for a couple of weeks, and especially now after that win over BYU, um, I asked him actually this week about that, and he and he said his resume, he felt his resume was was in tune with uh, with being able to play in a New Year's Six Bowl game uh, and, and play on a New Year's Day. Um, so I mean, that's pretty much what you got to do. It, it's is try to put it the best schedule you can out there, and and when it all comes down to it, just lobby the heck out of the committee to to allow you to have that opportunity. And so, and I think yeah, if you what? win your conference, I think if you win your conference, you deserve to play in a mm-hmm. in a in a good bowl game. I mean, you know, sending the Sun Belt, no disrespect to the to the uh, New Orleans Bowl, but sending your conference champ to the New Orleans Bowl every year, I'm glad they changed that. Um, but I mean. You should be able to go and play on a New Year's Day bowl game if you win your conference championship. That's just my opinion. Oh, I, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, but one thing you mentioned, and this has been another thing that has been a paradox to me, is you mentioned how one of the ways that a group of five can kind of try to convince the committee is by getting a better schedule, a better non-conference schedule. But the irony of that is a team like in Alabama or Clemson or in Ohio State or whoever, one of the upper echelon Power 5 teams that if you beat them would really say, hey, we're in the conversation, would never want to play a team like Coastal because it's all risk and no reward. There's no reason for a team like Clemson to accept that game. So how does a group of five get those types of games? Well, that's, again, that goes back to the NCAA and the, uh, and the committee. 
they need to tell these teams, hey, you need to you you need to uh, strengthen your schedules, and you know you need to go play these teams. I mean, the good thing well, about the state the, of South the, Carolina, those teams would have to accept the game. That's what I'm saying. They would have to, but I, I but I think it's it's going to move that direction because there's a there's a lot of these teams. I mean, look at App State, what they were able to do. I mean, you know, they've been able to add some some pretty big games to their non-conference schedules throughout the year. I mean, especially after beating Michigan. Uh, that one season years ago that put them on the map. They've they've been able to add a couple of games. I mean, it's not like Coastal's not getting Power Five programs on their schedule. Like mm-hmm. I said, I mean they got South Carolina. I mean, I, I why not why not throw Clemson on there? Why not why not uh, why not have Clemson play uh, Coastal Carolina? I mean, mm-hmm. here's here's the thing: if if Coastal Carolina rises up and beats at Ohio State or something like that, then that's on that's on Ohio State. I mean, that that's on them. I mean, if 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 you if you think that your program's as good as it is, then you should be everybody, shouldn't you? So why should you be scared yeah. to beat somebody? Because if you lose, that's on you. That's not on yeah. Coastal Carolina. I mean, Coastal Carolina goes and beats Ohio State. I mean, that's great for that's great for Coastal Carolina. You lose to Coastal Carolina, that's on you. So yeah. I mean, you don't have. Are you going to tell me that? You know, oh, we lost to Coastal Carolina. Well, then maybe you don't deserve to be in uh, uh, in the national championship mm-hmm. picture. You know, but that's, that's the that. thing. I mean, that's the reason why I think these these higher programs, these bigger programs, wouldn't want to take that game because it's all risk and no reward for them. Because if they win the game, then it's oh, we just beat a, a lower end school. No one, no one's really going to care in terms of that win for the bigger school. But if they lose, then they're then they're done. Well, I mean, you can look at it that way, but what happens if if they lose that one game? Let's just say they lose that one game. Coastal goes on mm-hmm. and wins every game and wins their conference. If it goes back to the conference committee and they say, "Oh, your one loss was to Coastal," but they run the table, they ran the table and won their conference turn, uh, championship. Is that really a bad loss? Because you lost to a conference championship team that lost yeah. one game. That that that. Uh, that, that maybe ran the table and didn't lose a game. I mean, you know, it's still Division One school. Now, if yeah. you lose to Coastal and they lose five games and they, you know, they finish fifth in their conference, then yeah, that's a bad loss. But if it's your only loss of the season, are you going to keep Ohio State out of the playoff? My guess would be no, and I'll tell you why. Money. It's the green yeah. stuff. The green stuff makes everything okay. go. And Ohio State's going to bring the green stuff in. They're going to put butts in the seats. People are going to travel, and that's what it's all about. It's not about, and when it boils all down to when it boils all down to the nitty gritty to the end of the line, it's always going to be about money. And yep. what what programs can put butts in the seats and travel and make money for the NCAA? Ohio yep. State, Alabama, Clemson. Those programs will always do that. So they're not going to look at one loss and say, oh, we're going to kick Ohio State out and lose millions of dollars. So, I mean, it, it you know, again, it always it always boils down to the green stuff, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I agree with that, and I understand that, and that's why it's probably – we're probably not going to get any sort of real playoff system for a while until something drastic changes on that front. Moving on over to the high school level, 
this hasn't been a very good week for mon- many schools in the area, particularly North Myrtle Beach. First, on the football field, what were your thoughts on how big of a loss that they they had to AC Flora? How surprised were you at the score? Um, to answer your second question, surprised. Um, I thought that that game would be the game of the weekend uh, in terms of matchup and the results. I thought that game was going to be um, a thriller, to be honest with you. Um, I was really surprised about AC Flora in the trenches. I thought North Myrtle Beach would do what they've done all year, and that is dominate at the line of scrimmage on both sides, and they didn't do that. Uh, AC Flora really took advantage of some opportunities and uh, and really dominated up front uh, on both sides, and that's something that North Myrtle had been pretty good at all season long, especially in the playoffs. Uh, from the games that I I saw, and I saw pretty much most of them um, firsthand. Uh, AC Flora played outstanding. Uh, They probably played the best game that they played all year. In fact, that's what I heard their coach say, that uh, he thought that was the best game they played all year. And I think uh, on the reverse side, I think North Myrtle probably played one of their worst games of the year, if not their worst game of the year. And I'm not quite sure that some of those kids from North Myrtle maybe got a little – in the moment, uh, I think they let mm-hmm. the moment maybe get to them a little bit, and, and you know that's to be expected. I mean, you're you're playing for a state championship; it's your first time you've ever been in that in that situation. That's a big stage um, with a lot going on, and I think maybe that may have gotten to some of those some of those guys, and, and it's to be expected. Um, but I was surprised about the outcome, um, how the game unfolded. I thought Myrtle obviously started off fantastic with the uh, the quick turnover and the score and, and led 7-0. And then from there, just kind of felt like the wheels kind of fell off that AC Florida was able pretty much to do what they wanted to, and, and North Myrtle couldn't counter on either side of the ball. So I was I was really surprised about how how that game went down. But, um, you know, hats off to, to North Myrtle. I mean, it's still a, a historic season. Um, won another region title, won their first lower state and was able to get to the state championship game. So nothing to hang their hats about at all. Um, they uh, they had one heck of a season. Moving on to the uh, basketball court. Uh, first, what – well, for both teams, both football and basketball, what's the latest have you been hearing on the Chiefs uh, in terms of their quarantine and how everyone's doing, and, and are they still expecting – to be able to play at the beach ball after Christmas. As of right now, they are off until the beach ball. Um, yeah. They have uh, they pretty much postpone, postponed and or canceled uh, every game uh, leading up to the beach ball classic in, in, in hopes of trying to remedy the, the situation up there. Um, so, you know, I think it's like anything else. you got to do the whole two weeks and – kind of see where you are after that and of course the two weeks would would be christmas and that would be beach ball so they're still planning on uh on on preparing for that and uh last i last i heard uh, i that that's where they they stand um i haven't heard anything in terms of um you know uh, issues uh you know major issues uh health issues uh in, inside the program so i think they're just doing their two weeks and 
and uh, we'll see where they're at after that. Well, that's good to hear on the health side. Uh, this has been a pretty rough rough week uh, around the area in terms of quarantines and everything for the basketball for basketball programs everywhere, uh, especially here on the Grand Strand and in the PD. Are what are you hearing from administrators and from ADs about what's going on? And what are you expecting going from here? Are you, do you think we're going to get uh, through the season or? It's going to be touch and go. It's really going to be touch and go. Um, the thing about basketball that's a little different uh, than what we had to deal with with football is, you know, if one kid gets it, the whole team has to quarantine. If one kid tests positive, the whole team has to quarantine. Um, so it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if we get through basketball. Um, as, as you alluded to, this week has been really interesting. Uh, I couldn't get on Twitter um, each day without seeing at least five or six teams having to yeah. adjust schedules, postpone games, cancel games, add games. Uh, it, it's been uh, it's been too too hard to track. In fact, I I had to get on last night and text a couple of ads and say, "Hey, are y'all playing uh, today? And who are you playing? And what games are you changing around?" And uh, Carolina Forest came to mind. They were supposed to play Marlboro County, yeah. which would have been a huge game because both those teams yeah. are ranked on the boys' side. Well, obviously Marlboro County is uh, is quarantined for two weeks, so they had to shut things down. So that game got canceled, and uh, Carolina Forest picked up Dylan Christian. They're going to play them tonight. Um, so at least they're playing playing this evening. So uh, it's, you know, your guess is as good as mine in terms of if, we, if we're going to be able to get get through basketball. And if we do, it's it's going to be uh, – it's going to look a lot different than with what we've seen in, in previous years. I think there's going to be a lot of moving parts on trying to get uh, games in. And then, uh, you know, in region starting here, some teams have already played region games, but – um, a majority of these teams are supposed to start reaching in beginning of January, so that's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Well, speaking of region games and just, you know, in general, uh, I know on the girls' side, only North Merrill Beach and Hartsville played at all out of all of Region 7 uh, this week. And on the boys' side, if you know, North Merrill Beach, was quarantined, so Hartsville didn't play either, and I think a few other teams in Region 7 didn't play as well. Uh, are the regions saying anything about how they're going to switch up the schedule? And I know Ian Garing posted something on Twitter yesterday about administrators or ADs talking to him about wanting to, you know, kind of shut things down for a little bit just to reassess things, but not having any real control over it. Have you heard anything from any administrators at the, you know, county level about potentially shutting things down here in Horry County like they have in Marlboro and elsewhere? Um, I think we may be on the verge of that. Um, I'm hearing some rumblings that uh, they may shut things down next week. Um, for how long? I don't know. Uh, I know that Darlington played Myrtle Beach this week because I was at that game. Um, yeah. So that that was that region game was able to be played. But I know there are 
some rumors floating around that uh, that some of these regions may have to shut things down um, to kind of cool things off a little bit and maybe um, try to gear up for the beginning of January and see if we can get these region games in and maybe uh, maybe quarantine uh, some of these clubs and especially with Christmas coming up because there's not going to be a lot of clubs that will be playing. I mean, I know there's some tournaments that are scheduled. If those will go on, who knows? But I know some of these teams are supposed to be playing in a beach ball. Uh, obviously, yep. that's going to go on as planned. Now, will these teams play? I don't know. Uh, I would assume they would, uh, like Sakasti and some of these other clubs. So we'll see. But um, as of right now, it, it doesn't look good in terms of at least the next couple of weeks. I think we'll know more next week when when uh, when some of these regions make a decision on how they want to proceed through Christmas break and into into the new year. Now, I would assume that if the district shut down, that would mean that, like, if Horry County Schools shut down, that would mean North Myrtle Beach, Myrtle Beach, Carolina Forest, and Sacassie would not be able to play in beach ball, correct? I would think that would be the case if the if they uh if they shut down um but i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure uh how that would go um because the beach ball is a different beast but i i'm not honestly i don't have an answer to that on whether or not they would be able to uh to play i know most times where they shut down they're not but i'm not sure how that's going to affect the beach ball and and whether they could do it because Sakasti basically hosts the beach ball in terms of being the host team because of uh, how beach ball started with the stock Sakasti connections and, and things along those lines. So I really don't have an answer to that question. Um, you know, we're only what, six days. I think they only have six more days of school or maybe seven mm-hmm. more days of school after today uh, before they, um, they break for uh, for for uh, Christmas and Christmas and New Year's break. So, uh, like I said, I mean, I think we're going to learn more next week in terms of where we stand with the with the season moving forward. Yeah, it's going to be really crazy, especially with you know with beach ball. The fact that I mean, Sacasie and Merle Beach are almost always in it, but Carolina Fourth and North Merle were brought in because of a limit on teams that they could bring in from out-of-state because of everything that's going on. So that's going to make it even trickier if those two teams do have to quarantine. So a lot of moving parts, and like you mentioned, just a lot of question marks going into this next week. So it's going to be it's going to be an interesting ride. It's always great talking to Brandon. Uh, stay safe out there. And uh, are you going to be at uh, Myrtle Beach? Or no, Myrtle Beach is at Darlington tonight, correct? Yeah, Myrtle's at Darlington tonight. I'm actually uh, the Coastal Ladies are playing uh, again tonight, so I'm gonna go check them out. Asia okay. Blunt's having a heck of a season so far. She had a double double last night, and then uh, the Marion Girls are supposed to play tonight, and they they are uh, second in the state. So I'm gonna go check them out and uh, kind of see what they're they're all about. They're supposed to uh, take on Carolina Forest, the, the Lady Panthers. So I'm gonna go check out a little high school and and uh, go check in with the the Lady Shauna Clears and course we'll have all that for you tonight on uh, abc new abc 15 news at 11 yep, sounds good you i i've got the night off tonight since the uh chief the boys chiefs are uh in quarantine right now so 
I get a little, well, enjoy your I, Friday I'm, night off, man. I'm exclusively Lady Chiefs right now. There you go. Enjoy your Friday night. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'll talk to you next week, Brandon. All righty. Once again, Brandon Dunn from WPD. Always fun talking to him. And, yeah, he brought up a bunch of good points about, uh, you know, how we're kind of at a crossroads right now, and we're going to wait. We're going to have to wait to see what happens over these next couple of weeks uh, in terms of what what schools decide to do. And it's going to be both a region and a district decision. And so they're going to have to, you know, figure it out. Uh, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll wrap things up and get you on your way for Friday, for your Friday games, what few there are tonight. We'll wrap things up in just a little bit here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. I can't begin to know it, but then I know it's growing strong. Wasn't the spring, and spring became the summer. Who'd have believed you'd come along? Touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscobing, and my our main talking point this morning has been, well, twofold. One has been the college football playoffs and what needs to be done in order to create a true playoff system in college football, and also talking about college basketball here in South Carolina and whether or not we're going to be able to fully get through the season. So some very uh, interesting topics this morning. And if you want to get your thoughts on either one, the number to call eight, or excuse me, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. So be sure to call on and give me your thoughts as we have a poll up on Southern Sports Central, SO Sports Central, on Twitter, and asking about what you guys think about the playoffs. And a little under 50% say expand to eight teams, which I agree with. A little over 30% say keep it as is, which I don't really understand. Would love to hear some of the people who voted keep as is why they think that. said expand to six teams, and one person voted for eliminating the national championship altogether, which, while it's not the ideal situation, I would, that may be the simplest way to do it, honestly. Uh, But that's neither here nor there. And the other thing we talked about this morning has been uh, what's been going on with basketball in South Carolina and whether or not we're going to get through uh, the basketball season. Mentioned earlier, a morning news sports poll had 50% saying that they're very worried about the season being shut down. Uh, Like I mentioned to Brandon Dunn, according to Ian Guerin, six ADs have told him that they'd support a full stoppage until after the holidays in order to give them the opportunity to reassess the situation. But unfortunately, they said they don't really have any real control to do it themselves uh, due, due to being representatives of the district. So like I was talking about with Brandon Dunn, either the districts or the regions more than likely will step in following everyone going on break and saying, okay, we need to reassess this situation and see what we need to do about about this situation. Um, a few other quick notes, uh, real quick before we before we get out of here. On the NFL side, Carson Wentz was benched this week, and basically ever since the Eagles won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. I've been saying that Wentz is overhyped and that he's too injury prone and that he's not going to really last all that long in the NFL. And it looks like that's uh looks like that's coming to fruition because Wentz was benched this week. It's Wentz on the bench instead of Elf on a Shelf. If you haven't seen that meme going around, it's hilarious. <coughs> But yeah, Wentz not he he was another one of those, you know, dual threat quarterbacks that was hyped coming out of college, 
that had one good season, and then the injuries took him down. And that's where we're at now with Wentz. Also on the NFL front, Greg Williams was fired by the Jets after a very boneheaded, and I know people will say, oh, he's being aggressive, he's done this his entire career, et cetera, et cetera. But it's still a boneheaded decision. Last play of the game, blitzing when you're, you know, third and long on the, I think they were on like the 42-yard line, 45, somewhere around there. They needed a long pass. And it was right at the end of the game, right toward the end of the game anyway. So, they, the Raiders, or excuse me, um, who were they playing last week? I think it might have been the Raiders. Uh, they needed to pass, yeah, it was the Raiders. They needed to basically pass it into the end zone instead of just, you know, dropping back into the prevent defense. Greg Williams decides to throw on a zero blitz and left his, his cornerback on an island and a great pass is caught and ran in for the touchdown and and that's how the Jets lose lose the game and remain winless for the season. And that's it, it's just not good. It, it's just not good coaching. And the Jets ironically did the right thing by firing Williams. And hopefully for Jets fans, Adam Gase is next. Speaking of coaching changes, going over to the college side, Shane Beamer has been named the new Gamecocks head coach and kind of, at least to me, kind of came out of nowhere considering that many were looking at a lot of other names. We're looking at Jamie Caldwell, was looking at, uh, was looking at the Liberty head coach drawing a blank on his name right now. Uh, but, you know, it's a good move. He is a Gamecock alumni, so he'll give the program his all. Uh, all Ray reportedly, reportedly looking at some local targets, including Nike Johnson and J.J. Jones, who both are already committed. Johnson already signed to Vodtech. J.J. Jones already committed to North Carolina, trying to see if he can flip them, but also looking at some unsigned guys like North Myrtle Beach's Chase Simmons. So looking to stay local. And, you know, that's what you want to do as a state program. You want to look for the – you want to be able to keep those top local products home. And that's what Beamer is going to try to do, and we'll see how successful he is. Uh, Some recruiting news and notes real quick around the state. Kobe Wagner from Lakewood was offered by Presbyterian. Will Fowler from Spartanburg offered by USF. Miller Dearman from Greer was offered by Western Carolina. Antonio Gates from or Antonio Gaines from Ridgeview offered by Coastal Carolina. Antonio Williams got two uh, Power Five offers this week, getting offered by Louisville and Missouri. Isaiah Norris, who's originally from T.O. Hanna, a JUCO player right now, offered by South Carolina and Tennessee, two SEC offers for him. 
Byron Young, originally from Carver's Bay. He was offered by UCF. Gabriel Harris from Lawrence Manning Academy, offered by Moorhead State. Eric Rice from AC Flora, after winning the state championship game, he was offered by South Carolina. Would have been more fitting if this were a regular year and he would have won the state championship at williams Bryce, but that's neither here nor there. The big week for Citadel, they offered a bunch of players. Uh, Jamar Blandon from First Baptist, Jalen Crumpton from Spring Valley, Victor Otobo Jr. from Waccamaw, and a couple of Carolina Forest guys offered by Citadel this week. Caleb Godfrey, as well as Kyle Watkins, both offered by the Citadel. And another Carolina Forest senior, Connor Meehan, was offered by Furman. So after a slow start in terms of not really getting many offers early on for those guys, they're starting to rack up some offers, and that that pipeline to Division One continues for Carolina Forest as it looks like they'll have a couple of guys going to the Division One level uh, again this season. Rodarius Gadsden, originally from Hartsville, he was offered by Mercer. Adam Randall got another big D1 offer, another Power 5 offer. He was offered by Florida State. Jalen Tolbert from Greenwood committed to Georgia State. J.J. Hudson from T.L. Hanna committed to Navy. E.J. McClam from Lake City reopened his recruiting. He was originally committed to North Carolina A&T, but he decided to reopen his recruiting. And Jalal Dean from Palmetto has announced that he will sign on Wednesday of this week. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. On the baseball diamond, Connor Lynn from Hammond committed to Belmont Abbey, and Cooper Holbrook, Holbrook from Porter God committed to Vanderbilt. He's the son of the Charles, College of Charleston head coach on the baseball diamond. So there's your recruiting news for the day, and like I mentioned, you know, this this week, honestly, by the end of, uh, or real quick, a few other uh, high school notes. Tyrion Ingram Dawkins from Gaffney won Mr. Football over the weekend during the state championship game. He has already committed to Georgia. Ben Lippin is looking for a new head coach already, so the coaching carousel continues in the state. Adam Randall was invited to the Under Armour All-American game. That's a big honor for him, as and as he should, as he's deserving of, with how well he's been playing and how many offers he has. And Devery Cagle from Eastside invites the college football today All-American Bowl. So a couple of All-American Bowl guys for this season. And, uh, you know, we've got the uh, – the late 88 game uh, in a couple of weeks. So that'll be fun. That'll be fun to uh, be a part of. 
and uh, a lot of great players in South Carolina ready to showcase themselves uh, in a couple of weeks. But like I mentioned, rounding things off uh, here, and if you want to get some final thoughts in, 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-968. And like I mentioned, you know, on the college football front, you know, the Invitational, they're Like I was saying with with Brandon Dunn, unfortunately, and he's absolutely right, it it is all about money in spite of what the administrators and and the NCAA tries to say that they're amateurs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But it's all about the money. And until a group of five team can get a big national following, which Coastal has tried to do this year. They've gotten some hype. Uh, They're just not going to be able to get into the national, into the uh, playoff conversation. Uh, But the thing about it is that it's, you know, it's a paradox. It's, it's a, you know, never-ending cycle because the, you know, the committee and 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 the the playoff apologists will say, "Oh, you need to play better teams, you need to get a national audience, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. But in order to be able to do that, you need to be able to get into the playoffs. So it's it's that never-ending cycle of how do you how do you create prestige out of nothing when you aren't given that opportunity you know in basketball a lot of teams have made names for themselves and have created a following through doing well in the tournament look at butler look at vcu look at gonzaga you know if if uh if if this, if it were football, just look at Boise State. You know, Boise State's also up there in the Mountain West, and you can compare the two a lot. Uh, you know, Gonzaga built their program and built their prestige and built this reputation off of making it to the tournament and doing well in the tournament on a regular basis. And now they're able to get the top recruits. And now they're one of the top college basketball programs in the country. But that's only because they're given the opportunity to. If this were college football, they wouldn't be able to get anywhere because they aren't given the opportunity. So as a result, they aren't they they just fall by the wayside. Look at Boise State. You know they were they were one of the big college football powers in the mid to late two thousands, and yet because they couldn't do anything with it, 
because they were still just being relegated to, you know, they'd get in the New Year's Six Bowl every now and again, but, you know, even then that started to go away after they beat Oklahoma. Then when the recruits realize, when these high school kids realize, I'm not going to be able to do anything if I go to Boise State, why would a top recruit go there? It And that hurts the program. So if if you're not able to get the recruits, then your program's going to fall apart. I mean, UCF, same thing to an extent. They're not playing nearly as well as they were when they were, you know, winning a national championship in 2017. So, but that's because they're not given the opportunity. So, that's, that's the big difference, and that's why the the system really does need to change. Uh, but unfortunately, it's not going to change for a while now. It's not going to, you know, thing drastic is going to have to happen for this system to change. And I don't see that happening. This would have been the perfect opportunity, like David Chelton was mentioning earlier. This would have been the perfect opportunity this year with everything going on. This would have been the perfect opportunity to say, hey, it's a strange year. Let's experiment. But the administrators in the Power Five conferences would much rather keep the status quo. So we're we're in this, you know, infinite loop, essentially. So that's that's where we're at now in terms of college football. On the high school side for basketball and even for college to an extent, uh even 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 uh even college basketball to an extent it it's going to be a very interesting next couple of months. Well, next couple of weeks and the next couple of months, seeing whether programs shut down or not, seeing how things go, and seeing just just seeing where where this goes, because you know. Like I was talking about with Brandon Dunn. Right now, while yes, obviously the schools in the on the Grand Strand, especially schools like Carolina Forest and North Merrill Beach, who normally don't get this opportunity, would love to be able to stay in the Beach Ball Classic and be able to say they played in the Beach Ball Classic and everything. And me personally would love to be able to say that I covered the beach ball classic, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, you have to figure out what's more important. And I think I mentioned this last week, 
but I'll mention it again about basketball. The thing about basketball that I'm kind of curious to see, and I'm I, I'm going to need to ask someone about this and get their opinion on it. Maybe I'll ask next week, depending upon what happens over this week, because, you know, every week it's, you, you never know what's going to happen any given week in, in this crazy 2020 world we live in. But would the SCHSL, and I know David Shelton and, and Brandon Dunn both said that more than likely it's going to be the regions and the districts that are going to do something, not the SCHSL. Because they, because the SEHSL doesn't want to be seen as a bad guy. That's the problem, though. That's the problem, and it's not just it's not just here in South Carolina. It's not just with high school sports. It's with everything right now, but especially with sports, and especially with high school sports. Nobody wants to be seen as the bad guy. Nobody wants to be seen as, oh, they're the ones that shut everything down. And and you have weak leaders who are wanting to be liked. And as a result, it leads us into what we're in now. Because... If you had strong leaders right now, if you had strong leadership, whether it was in the SEHSL or within the districts or within the regions, what have you, someone would have put out a statement at this point. After all the shutdowns over the last week, Someone would have put out a statement and said either A, out of an abundance of caution or to try to reassess the situation, we're shutting everything down, or would have put in some sort of mandate saying, okay, this is how things are going to go. This is what you're going to do as a team. This is what you're going to do as a school This is what you're going to do as a community. This is what you're going to do in terms of fans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that would have been the way to say, essentially, okay, here are your guidelines for what needs to be done in order to be able to be played, in order for things to be played. If it works, then great. Then we just keep on moving as planned with these guidelines. If it doesn't work, then it just wasn't meant to be. And the one thing that I'm curious about, that I'm going to have to ask about, is with basketball, because of the fact that you know baseball already got affected, they already got shut down early last year at the beginning, or excuse me, football already got effect because they had to shore in the season this year. But basketball, at least here in South Carolina, 
because of how the schedule is, South Carolina didn't get affected at all in basketball. They got they they lucked out because the season, the championship game occurred the week before everything actually only a couple of days less than a week before thing hit the fan. So the fact that they did not they came out of everything unscathed last year may influence some decision maker's decision to say they can afford to lose a couple of games because they didn't get affected last year. So let's take it let's just say okay you have to wait for X amount of days to play. Let's wait until January. Let's cancel the, the preseason tournament. Let's wait until January. And and that may end up being what will happen, but that's something we're going to have to keep an eye on and see what happens over the next couple of days. But that'll just about wrap it up for me here at at, on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Hope you guys enjoyed the show this morning. Uh, and we'll have another great show next week. Well, that may be up in the air. We'll, uh, I'll have to discuss that with Richie. He may have to fill in for me next week. But we will see. But that'll wrap it up for me. Hope you guys enjoyed the show this morning. So I'm Brandon Biscobing saying so long. And we'll talk to you next week here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. So long, everyone. <laughs>